0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. Title, new title, still pending, we're prohibited, not valid in all states, only can be redeemed in the continental United States. I am Joe, I'm having a wonderful little bit of tea tonight. Joining me today is Alan. Alan, how are you
1: doing, buddy? I'm fabulous. Mm. It's It's another day in paradise.
0: I know it's it quite literally paradise. Like, how's the weather up in Michigan? Because here it was 83.
1: Weather's great. Um, it was in the low 80s today as well. It's gonna it's gonna rise throughout the week, but I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna complain about it being summer. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to do more stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're we're getting to the point where we actually would be able to do so. Yeah, So I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just it's nice that everything sort of like I don't know I don't know how to put it but just it feels so much nicer and I don't know it just feels more hopeful now which is good. So I download it. So I I don't usually talk about games that much but one of the more interesting things I downloaded I think you'd get a kick out of Alan is an app called One Shot Golf that I just downloaded. My buddy told me about. This is a golf game on iOS and Android. So you're like, okay, well, I mean, there's a million different golf games. Well, this one uses actual robots that you can control to play golf. And it is video driven. And you can win prizes doing it. So imagine like a cross between like a shooting range where you have different holes with different points. And then you have like this video feed that you control of controlling left and right. And then the swing velocity of the, of the, of the, of the, the robot golf club of the, yeah, the robot. Yeah. And it's just so interesting in the way that they have at least a dozen different like themed courses. Um, One's like a sports one. Another one's this, it's like water world. It's like all this water stuff. And you can win points, you can win gift cards to, like, Starbucks. It's just an interesting concept. And I just wanted to mention that because it's just so different and weird. And if you download it, you can also just, like, watch. Like, you don't have to play. You can just watch other people. And you just see, like, this robot flail around and the balls kind of fly. Um, but it's a, just an interesting concept, so I just
1: wanted to bring that up. But, anyway, It kind of reminds me, there's, yeah. like, claw games like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Tariba. Like it's kind of like that but with golf, which is really intriguing. That's I like that. Really
0: yeah, there was one there was one in um Dayton that like like 10 years ago or something like that where it was a claw game and you'd get in line to play it and and it was like a video feed on your laptop and you'd get in line and be like, you know, 1000 people to go or whatever and you get a stab at playing this claw game and if you won an actual prize, they would contact you and like actually ship it out to you. Which I thought was always super cool. Um, Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's something totally different and weird, but I think it's um, kind of unique and and cool. I, I just think it's cool, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. It, it's just it's just different. I like it. Um, but let's get into the news, shall we? Because we hinted at it a little bit before, but man, if you told me a month ago that we'd be seeing most COVID restrictions lifted by the like by the middle of May, I thought you'd be high. But here we are. Um, it kind of started at the beginning of the month with uh, Orange County, and it's slowly been rolling out. And then the CDC said, "I want to say last week was that was that last week already?"
1: It might yeah, it was la- uh It might have been the week before, but it's it's been very recently. It's 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 definitely been May. Like, it might have been May 7th or something like that. But yeah, yeah, but
0: they, uh, CDC's list lifted, uh, mask guidelines for anyone vaccinated, along with, uh, various regional areas like Orange County, where Universal Orlando is at, saying you can reduce social distancing and other things of that nature. So we've gone from having, uh, you know, six feet dis- social distancing, everyone must be masked to having wear a mask outside, uh, if you're an unvaccinated. With the big asterisk being we don't know who's vaccinated or not. And then also um <laughs> uh just cu mask up in queues and getting rid of uh so kind of like really reducing social distancing markers. Um it's been a really kind of wild time to see everyone adjust with all this stuff, but it's it's happening, and it's happening quick. Um and I will talk about a little bit of my trip report. But Alan, where, what are your kind of your
1: thoughts on on these changes? <laughs> I went out on Sunday night with my buddy, David. Mm-hmm. Um, David, for the record, actually got a bunch of press recently. Uh, he has taken over the longest-running science experiment in history, which oh, is the Beale Seed yes. experiment in, oh, here at MSU. Yes, yes you re- you uh, retweeted that. That yeah, is so weird. It was, weird. So it was weird. weird seeing people that I don't know retweet stuff about, like, my friends, like Ooh. Lars and David. <laughs> Do you want to ex- like what they do. Do you want to explain to the listeners what this seed experiment is so they could get an idea of what's going on? Yeah, the short – the very, very short uh, technical version is that a long, long, long time ago, there was a guy that was at Michigan State University, and his his name was W.J. Beal or Williams J. Beal, and he had this idea of let's put seeds in bottles, wrap them up in paper basically, fill the bottles like with sand – And then the bottles were placed in a secret location, which I have a rough concept of where it's at. And thus, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, And that happened 141 years ago. And so on a periodic basis, somebody goes up and digs up a bottle and gets seeds out and then checks to see if they grow. Um, David took it over from Frank Taluski who all of them were at plant biology. Uh, I used to work there a while back, not in any important role like they do, but um, I, I know all of them. David and I are great friends, and uh, Frank is is close to or at retirement, basically. He's had some health issues, and so it was time to hand it off to somebody else. And uh, David and Lars Brudvig have basically taken over the Seed experiment. So they got a bunch of New York Times press um I I could have been referenced in the same issue as him, but the people that I worked for didn't reply to the New York Times in time and end up being a story about a different study on sleep and obstructive sleep apnea instead. But nonetheless <laughs> and then I would have gotten two stories, much less the rest of the national news that he got. So um very cool to see that. But I picked him up uh Sunday night. We went out to Lansing Brewing Company. And the first words out of his mouth were, so how's it feel now that the pandemic's over? <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's an evolutionary biologist and virologist. So, you know, we had, a, we had obviously had a discussion about it. I, I, I don't think it's over. For me, it is. And for you, it is, Joe. And for my wife, it is. And for David, it is. And for anyone that got vaccinated, it is. For anybody else, yeah, you know, that's their problem. Uh, unfortunately there are some neuro you know or not neuro but immunocompromised people out there that are probably put at unnecessary risk by the Mm -hmm. fact that people aren't getting vaccinated as quickly as they could be and obviously children under the age of 12 cannot be vaccinated so that's an issue though fatality rates are very low Um, nonetheless as far as i'm concerned for me and I've, i've been aware of this for some time it's basically over like my concerns don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not necessarily against wearing masks if I'm asked to. It's not a big deal to me. I've worn them professionally for years. Um, I will probably wear them again in a healthcare setting. Um, so it doesn't bother me in any way, shape or form. Uh, obviously, some people it does bother them. But the idea that like we can go travel around like today, I went out to the Cheesecake Factory Yay. <laughs> I haven't been to the Cheesecake Factory in, you know, a year and a half, two years. It's very exciting to do things like, you know, and, and there was stuff that we did last year at, at the low point of COVID during the summer locally when, you know, you're having 150 cases a week, which is mm-hmm. negligible in a state of 10 million. Um, where I didn't feel necessarily like I was in, in any great risk. uh, and, and that was kind of a thing that happened throughout the entire course of of the pandemic is I usually traveled places where I knew based on my own individual risk assessment that I spent a lot of time researching what I thought would be safe and what wouldn't. I know a lot of people didn't do that. I know a lot of people who got COVID, um, you know, particularly in the end of 2020, early 2021, there were a lot of people that I know that wound up getting it. Um, I never did. I got vaccinated. The the overwhelming statistical odds say that there's basically like I could get infected, but the odds that it's going to kill me is is worse than me dying in a car accident on the way home from work. So like I, I don't have any major concerns at this point. I'm not concerned about infecting my family members because they all got vaccinated. As far as I'm concerned, most of the states in my area are approaching at the very least 50% with their first shot. Um, Pennsylvania, I think, is near 70% already for first shot. Getting close. So in terms of, you know, traditional herd immunity between people that have contracted it already and people who are getting vaccinated, we'll probably be pretty close to that within the next two to three weeks if we're not already there to some degree. Cases have fallen off something like 87% in Michigan in a month. So as far as I'm concerned, like for me personally, it's over. Um, I know I'll have to get COVID boosters. I know COVID will probably be with us for a long time. To what degree it's ever able to mutate into a different form of the disease that is able to, to bust through the vaccine. Who knows? But we also know based on the vaccine success, you know, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine were, were both created within like 24 hours so, you know, I I and they if they have alterations that are made to deal with mutant strains, um they don't have to go through full clinical trials again. So, honestly, I don't I don't really have any concerns. Um I think that I don't want to say that we have it under control, but we're getting there. At least in the United States, Canada different, Mexico different, Europe different. But if you look at the curve in like the UK, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they were at a position in January where they had 50, 60,000 cases a day and they're down to less than 2000 because they immunized over 70% of the population. I mean, what do you, what do you say about that? You know, it's, it, it looks like a flat line compared to where they were four months ago. So I'm, I know that some people are surprised and they feel like it's very sudden. I don't think that there was any way to do it. That wouldn't have felt sudden. Mm
2: -hmm. I
1: just don't. I think if, if we, we could have waited until we had zero cases, but that's unlikely to say the least, if Mm -hmm. not impossible under current societal expectations and circumstances and the way people act. So I just, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't see it that ever was, was going to happen. So this is about as good as it's going to get. We're at a place where we can tolerate it. We're at a place where things can start to get back to normal. And I'm, I'm fine with it. Honestly, I just don't see, I, I, we've made a lot of progress in terms of people discussing wh- how COVID spreads and, you know, what the disease is, how to treat it to various degrees, things like that. Uh, there'll be lots of more progress to be taken, but I think we've, we've made about 25 years worth of progress on things like upper, tor- upper respiratory infections and disease spread uh, airborne or droplet in, in the course of the last 15 months. That's um, which is insane. Yeah, it's, but we were forced to, I mean, it was like, it was like this stopped the entire world. like, the entire globe basically came to a grinding halt and until it got figured out, nobody could do anything like, so it was either this or like societal collapse, you mm-hmm. know? So we picked this. Uh, but I honestly, I know a lot of people that feel weird about going out without masks. I know I bring my masks still cause I, I don't know which businesses are going to want them, which ones won't. I'll wear them when I'm inside. If it's not necessary, I can take it off. um, I don't have any concerns though, because statistically, the likelihood that I'm going to wind up getting COVID at this stage is like me being struck by lightning, or me getting in a serious car accident, or something of that nature. And it's you know you can't you can't constantly live in fear of everything twenty four seven. And this this has greatly reduced my concern. And and most importantly for me, that my family has has been vaccinated, and thus, you know. My concern for their health, which is really all I ever cared about, uh, has, has been taken care of. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at on it. And I, I I understand that other people feel differently and I get it, but I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, I'm not saying I'm a scientist, but I do have an H index and I work in science (laughs) and I, and I just told you guys that there's a scientist that's been getting global recognition that, that basically said, eh, it's over. So take it for what you will. Um, that's, that's my perspective. I, I don't know how you feel about Joe, um, but that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, I'll touch a little bit more in it when I get into my trip report, as I said earlier. But kind of my general vibe right now is that um, I've been having to go into work for about a year now. I have not really had the choice to work from home that much. Um, uh, I did for about two months and then I had to come back in. So it was kind of a situation where I had to quickly adapt <laughs> And Mm -hmm. like, and but like, you know, I work in a situation where there's a lot of older men who are conservative, who thought this was nothing and barely wore masks or couldn't wear them appropriately or didn't care or what have you. I for
1: I for one am shocked that engineers would be conservative, Joe. Mm. Who not engineers? We're talking machinists. Oh Oh, well, okay, that yeah, that (laughs) makes even more sense. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) But like, go ahead, continue. So like. So I think for me, like, so when I went to Disney World with my sister, it was it was like this weird situation where she was way more cautious than I was, simply because she's been working from home, and I've had this exposure kind of therapy almost for almost a year now. So like, I've this, this this is my life, you know. I've been having to deal with this. I've been having to go through it, and you know, I've been you know making the the calls that I thought needed to be made. You know, open windows. Stay socially distant, wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think personally, it feels like lifting the restrictions maybe a little early, but I don't know if I would say that. But I I agree with you, Alan, that doing anything at this point, I feel like what, unless you gave people like months of lead time, would feel sudden.
1: Um, And I, I just don't know what it changes. Like, I don't think there's no evidence that, you know, the people that were set to get appointments this week for shots went through the floor, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's not like people aren't getting vaccinated because they don't, they don't feel like they have to anymore. Like the, the, the same, the same concern of getting this disease is still there. So Mm -hmm. people are going to try and avoid. In fact, now that they know that they're going to be in contact with more maskless people, there's more encouragement for some people to go get their shots. Um, and and so, also
0: in a weird way, um, I was there has been surveys done of what's you know, um, you know, like what is getting people to go and get vaccinated if they haven't been yet, yeah. and for some groups of people, it's the vaccine lotteries that
1: Ohio is doing, yeah and, yeah, and
0: for others, it's not having to wear a mask,
1: yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, and, to tell people like that you're that you ha- you can get vaccinated, but nothing changes does not encourage people to get vaccinated because their life is fundamentally no different. And all you're telling them is to take some sort of, you know, uh, some minor risk of getting the shot that is not very risky, but it's more than no shot, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to go somewhere to a public area and interact with other individuals and be injected with something. So, you know, if there's nothing on the other end of it, Like, if you get no benefit out of that other than, well, maybe you won't get this disease, not that you will be allowed to do anything in which you might contract it anyways, other than, you know, visiting friends, which you're, you know, you might not be doing, or family, which you might not be doing, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it it doesn't encourage people to go get it. So I, I think the messaging has always been kind of off. And, but the messaging has been off the whole time. So to me, at this point doing this, I said on Twitter, I'm like, everyone's been screwing up for 15 months in communicating about this disease. Like maybe some of those people that have been screwing up for 15 months can go ahead and, and take a backseat for a moment. <laughs> uh, because just, just look at what's happened. Like Texas, Texas opened up in March. They were like, we don't have restrictions anymore. The end. And the first thing that everyone says, like, Oh, everyone's going to get COVID Texas Rangers opening day, full stadium. COVID numbers in Texas are flatlined hmm so i you know people have expectations that certain things will happen and then they don't occur you know that people are like constantly like oh that's going to cause COVID," and that doesn't happen so i think you know and there's, there's all sorts of just like messed up stuff about it too like you even within the context of like Diz twitter you know you have people like calling out other people claiming that they got covid when they have no idea like just weird stuff happened throughout the entire (laughs) pandemic and it was a disaster like just from like interacting among people it's been bad and like Mm -hmm. like going on trips and having to be secret about it for two weeks afterwards because that way you know if as long as you didn't get covid afterwards you're like look i did everything right what do you want me to do
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know other people like "Ah, i just never left the house it's not okay or it's okay to do x or it's okay to do y based Uh, on your own
0: Based on your own personal belief system, like if you think going to church is
1: virtuous, you think that's a safer activity than, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was there was actually a survey. Uh, Somebody did a survey study on that and basically found exactly that. Like, you know, as long as you are okay with the risk, it doesn't matter what the actual risk is. Like, you'll go do it like, oh, yeah, I I could go outside to a beer garden uh but the other guy who goes and eats outdoors al fresco at a restaurant in wherever that guy's bad you know or like they go to a hotel that's terrible meanwhile you know yeah i'll go visit my parents mhm you know because that's the only people i see uh, just stuff like that so I, I i i i'm i'm fine with where we're at i i don't i don't think it changes anything fundamentally and all we're seeing is cases falling through the floor and you know we're getting to a stage where I look at my hospital numbers, and you know, we have a third of pa- the patients we did with COVID three weeks ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So clearly, vaccination's working. We're still getting people vaccinated. I, I think that we will get more of the people who have been waiting on vaccines vaccinated in time um, as they as we start getting out to neighborhoods, particularly like minority and underserved neighborhoods,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and people, you know, in communities you know, I hate to say it, but like Trump people basically that refuse to get vaccines start to encounter the fact that all of their family are still alive and the people around them are the only ones getting sick. Like some of them will quietly and silently go get it, even if they talk bad about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like I, I fully expect that because there's not like there's it's not like you expect like rational consistency from these people. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm serious. True. Like, come yeah. on, like. Do you really believe that these people are are like living what they speak? No, absolutely not. So of course, a lot of them are getting vaccinated. Um. Anyways, that that's my take on it. And 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 I don't like I said I don't see unless your your plan was to somehow eradicate the virus globally before reopening, which was never going to happen and impossible,
0: and, and, and would take hundreds. Like, like God, like how long did it take for us to eradicate smallpox? Forty years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that was and that spread nowhere near as quickly as covid did so mm-hmm. it just it was never gonna happen like it just wasn't gonna happen and there was no way that people were gonna live an entire generation in their homes mm-hmm. you know uh so that's that's where i come from on this that's my perspective on it and i know other people are different and, and i try to be very respectful of it but at the same time it's like at the same time it says trust the science i also say the science doesn't lie and uh, unless, unless you believe that somebody's lying about all the efficacy of these vaccines and all the statistics that have been coming out in every state, in every country that's been vaccinated or heavily vaccinated, whether it's Israel, the UK, or the United States, or, or wherever, what can I tell you? Like, it is what it is. Um, anyways, that's my opinion on that.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, going from one controversial topic to the other, uh, What, what, what's the, I want to figure out the exact name for this, but Disneyland, um, unveiled an official kind of new weird thing. Um, they kind of quietly announced it and it was kind of a weird announcement in general. Um, but I'm trying to get the article up for this, but it's for the new web slingers attraction at the Avengers campus in Disneyland Paris and Disney's California Adventure. It is the, um, what what is this? The web power band. I wanted to make sure I get this name right. Uh, right. Uh, it's a base band that uh, you can use in the attraction that unlocks multiple fire webs, that allows you to unlock uh, to shoot multiple fired webs, um, and also personalize the gameplay. Uh, so it, the power band is thirty not thirty five dollars. I'm sorry, and then there's also like this customizable, like additional thing you can put on. Like, almost like a upgrade pack to make yourself look like Iron Man, I guess, and other things that'll cost an additional $30. Um, I think this has been an interesting discussion online because it's bringing up various things like pay to play in video games and
1: downloadable content,
0: downloadable content. And also, you know, uh, the other arguments being like, well, Universal's been doing this with the power up bands and the Harry Potter ones for seven years now you know, Disney's late to this or various things. And I, I, think it's a more nuanced take than that. Um, my real quick take, uh, honestly, on this is like, I, I just don't know yet. I think it's still too new and we don't know enough information and we haven't seen it in action to actually make any calls on like, if this is like a smart decision or whatever. Um, personally, if it doesn't like actually impact gameplay for anyone else in the car, I don't care, but the bigger question being, will Disney find this successful slash will they try to cram it down? You know, every single attraction is a bigger question mark, and I think that's something that you that you kind of have an opinion on there, Alan.
1: Yeah, the, the short version of this, and I don't have the strongest of opinions mm-hmm. specific to the ride, is – um, basically very similar to yours. Like as long as it's not impactful on the gameplay of the other people in the ride to make it so that they're not having fun or that the ride is designed in such a way that encourages you to buy this thing, to actually enjoy it. And I should note, like it basically looks like to me, we're basically talking about hand controls here, like kind of like an Ninjago like throwing motion type thing. If you're not using the webslinger add-on toy thing. Um, But if you have that, then you basically are just firing like a gun. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no way that anyone is going to move their hands quickly enough to compete with that. And it's basically like everyone on the ride is going to look like a fool. <laughs> playing the Sega Activator while one guy just goes pew, pew 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 like holding the button down. Like I know that's what's going to happen. Like I don't really know that, but I, that, there's like an overwhelmingly strong sense that that's the case. Okay, like, it just like it, knowing what we know about the ride, like the odds are that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. but ignoring the fact that it's not actually open and uh, that's not actually true, unless I can't, it's not provable. Um, and I may be completely and totally wrong, as I've been wrong many times in the past. Uh, all I will say is, if you are uh asking people to upcharge for something, you know to me, when people are pointing the comparison to say the band at Super Mario World that gives you access to like secret areas and all these interactive things, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's much of an own. To show off that the park that costs more money and is charging you more for an add-on for a singular ride exists versus an add-on at a park that costs like 30% or 40% less money to get into and is also a cheaper add-on that gives you way more content. Mm -hmm. Like that's not actually an own. That just kind of makes you look like a homer for Mm -hmm. Disney. Um... Personally, I think that, I, 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 unless it's amazing, and I don't think it will be, because it's a, it's a shooting dark ride, Shootings, like it's a shooting dark ride with screens, hello, there's millions of them, um, I don't know how this is going to sell, I, I think it's going to be relegated to much less than $30 very quickly, mm-hmm. if not end up like... Completely in the bargain bin and at outlet stores within a year or two. I I don't. Nobody's gonna. Nobody goes to DCA to begin with. Much less are they going to invest a bunch of money in an add-on for a ride that is probably not an e-ticket. Yeah. Um, And and just Mm -hmm. just to final my my last point with this is, if only Disney had a system similar to the Super Mario bands, you know, maybe like a band with an RFID chip in it that could track you. And would know your name and could like mm-hmm. get your name to be spoken during rides um, or activate certain features. If only Disney had invested out know, like $650 million or $750 million into a system like that. A billion, a billion, whatever, you know, whatever it might've taken to create such a system and set up sensors all throughout the park and then um, bothered to activate it instead of, you know, having maybe like doing something like that and spending all that money and then like just theoretically just spitballing here, like deciding to get rid of it and replace it with cell phones. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that would have been like a really good idea for interactivity and doing the same things that we're talking about at the price point that Disney's at. Um, Just, just an idea. I mean, like it would have been a really cool idea if they could have presented that stuff like a D23, and told people about how cool it was going to be and, like, how it was going to do all these things and really personalize your trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If only they ever did that, you know, that would have been a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, who'd have known? So the other uh, thing I'll add is, like, I th- like if the product also, like, if it's, like, a fun toy that people can actually use outside of the attraction. Right. I think yeah. that'll help. Um, but, like, again, we don't know that much because it doesn't necessarily have the instant appeal of a, you know, remote-controlled, like, Robot, you know, spider figure, which, you know, those have analogs in the real world and kids like them and they are fun. Sp- speaking as someone who's had electric vehicles they could control remotely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, like I- I- if the ride is fun by design and this supplements it in a way that doesn't impact anyone else's fun and doesn't make it worse for anyone else, then I don't, ha- I don't have a problem with it. It's just. When you say it like that, you kind of go, Oh shit, how are they going to do this? And it just sounds really, it sounds like a difficult problem they created for themselves that there may not actually be a solution for. And they're just kind of trying to be overly creative. Uh, and, you know, they're just trying to get, be overly creative and, 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 um, I'm trying to find the word for it, but like, you know, they're just trying to actually, you know,
1: be overly, um, uh,
0: not, not. I, I whatever
1: you get the idea. I doubt, like, I doubt Imagineering came up with this idea. I'm sure they were they were, you know somebody that was at the top level at Disney was like, "Hey, we want to have a ride, and then we want to have functionality in the ride that's monetized.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you do that?" And then they
2: and came up with
1: like, it. And this is what they came up with. So I, I they've not mentioned nothing about what this thing can do outside of that ride. I mean, like if it was $35 and it did a bunch of cool shit in Avengers Campus, like. You know, I wouldn't say anything about it, right? Like if it opened crazy doors and made things happen, like then it would just be like the wand. But right now it's not a wand because it just, it just functions as a cheat code for a ride. Mm -hmm. Like it's a a video game ride. It'd be like, it'd be like if you had, uh, if you spent $25 and you could always get like the top level in Toy Story Mania Mm -hmm. because you had like heat seeking rings or darts that always hit the target. Like, I guess that would be cool. Um, for like once, I, I don't know why it would be interesting multiple times over. Mm-hmm. I, I just, to me, like, I don't see the function to it. And, and so the reason why I don't see the function to it, um, is why I believe I, I have a hard time believing that Imagineering brought this to, to Disney executive management, not the other way around. Mm hmm. That's honestly my opinion. If you had to if you asked me to take a guess, I would say that's what happened. That's what makes sense. So Oh. There you go.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, I guess it's a lot of waiting and seeing and just seeing what actually happens. So not much
1: else to add. Um I just have low expectations yeah. for it because of the control system. Interactive dark rides are only as good as your method of interaction. If it mm-hmm. sucks, like anybody that's been on an Ninjago dark ride, they know that you're just like it's like it's like the Sega Activator. You're just like basically doing like a rapid fire seag hail as an attempt to like to, to make something happen in the ride and it looks mm-hmm. bad. Your arm just gets tired and it's not necessarily like super fun. I, I get the idea of what they were shooting for, but I don't know what's necessarily different about Disney's boat. Like I just I don't understand what would be different. It's there's no buttons. There's no uh there's no gun. It's it's hand motions. So what other way to fire rapidly is there, other than to move your hand rapidly?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's going to look like you're slapping, like back and forth. Maybe, maybe that'll be faster. Either way, it's not going to look like you're shooting webs. It's just going to look like a whole car full of people like making a flapping motion. I mean, <laughs> just no, it's true. It's true, and we all know it's true.
0: You know, like you know, you know like the dance where they're just. I know it's you know, true. Yeah, I got gotcha. you.
1: It's uh, that's, uh, What what are we. Uh, the best The best case scenario is you just have to hold your hand over something and it just keeps doing it, but you know I, I don't how that's appealing. I have no idea, I don't know how you target that way, whatever um, It's just like everybody forgot what the ride was when this came up. they're like well what's a, what's any different about Well, it's a fucking button versus your hand. I mean obviously there's a big difference <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, come on, like one of these is probably gonna have a target on it. The other is gonna be like you just like flailing, literally flailing, like mm-hmm. you are drowning in a pool like that's what it's gonna look like. that's what it looks like at the other rides that do this like uh, it, it's not a mystery, you know mm-hmm. so whatever that's yeah. that's my take on it
0: all right, let's get some uh let's get in some uh trip reports, shall we. Yes sure so this week last week cdc released uh, up, uh updated all their mask policies so what did i decide to do i decided to go to hershey park wh- yeah. which was one of the first parks major parks to say yolo have fun good luck <laughs> and <laughs> boy was that something else um i would not have felt safe if i was not vaccinated so thank right. you vaccines um, so I went to Hershey Park. I have not been on Candemonium. I've not done any of that stuff yet. So I was excited to finally get on that and do some things. Um, real quick, uh, things from Hershey. Um, the park hours for 11 to 7, which was just really short. Really, really short. Um, the crowds that get in the park when they open at 11 are insane. Like they're backed up to the chocolate world. And like, it's just absolutely wild uh, just to see how backed up it was. But we we got in quickly and because it was such a crazy day and they're still doing social distancing on the rows, like only one party per row for rides, we decided to splurge for the fast track uh, option and uh, we got on pretty much everything we wanted to multiple times. Uh, Candemonium, I enjoyed It's not the most intense coaster I've been on, but it had some pretty good airtime, I felt like, Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It could have probably used another hill or so because it comes really into into that last break run pretty fast, so they probably could have done another element or two, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good little coaster. Um, Clearly checks off the 200-foot coaster that doesn't want to murder you. Uh, <laughs> box. Um, so you know it's a it's a great addition to Hershey. Um, I, th- I think the whole new um, the whole new front entryway is just wonderful. Um, I and, and once they open Milton's and that new bar, I think it's going to really really be something special. Um, only complaint, like most uh, most new additions when it comes to entryways, could have used some more shade and a few more bits of trees, but you know maybe they'll add them eventually i don't know but otherwise good um i like her i like Candemonium. um i would say that though i do still prefer orion for obvious reasons but is pretty good um next uh thing that i hadn't done yet was the reese's cup fusion their dark ride upgrade to the reese's extreme cup challenge uh which the best way to 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 the best way to to, to say what extreme cup challenge was is imagine a sports illustrated for kids magazine from the nineties exploded (laughs) and, and combined with like Hershey's chocolate advertising.
1: (laughs) If if you did not hear that from me, (laughs) then I am proud that you had the exact same take that I have had for years. Like sports illustrated (laughs) for kids is exactly the art design of that ride. It because not, exactly.
0: not only was it like everything extreme, so you're imagining like all the like the kids with the baggy shorts on BMX bikes and skateboarding and rollerblading and yeah. hockey, but also yeah. like their art design was very big forehead like. Um with yes. the sportscasters being something that probably was a cross between the um what was the uh the claymation wrestling? show on mtv for a while
1: oh um celebrity Deathmatch. yeah
0: it's like a cross between like the like the the, the whole ride had announcers in it and the announcers are audio animatronics and it kind of looked like a combination between celebrity Deathmatch and the
1: warheads logo <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have confirmed that the trip report i wrote five years ago when i was there i specifically said uh it is quite the big ride, but we're as weird as suggested, it looks like it was designed by the team from Sports Illustrated for Kids. Yeah. So this is apparently great minds think alike. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's speaking of of screen based dark rides now. Um, it's definitely that. Hmm. And
0: it's mostly a screen based dark ride. Um, did they get rid of the drop
1: in it? Right. I think so. I I, honestly like. I could not. I I went on the original one once. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, like, I had very minimal amount of exposure or recollection as to what the original one was like. And I like. I was shocked. I remember riding that version. I was like, "Holy crap! This is like track and stuff."
0: Yeah. Um, So most of the dark ride. So if you haven't done this Hershey's dark ride, it is actually a. it's it, it's not like it runs like a normal dark ride. It, it it runs on coaster track. Um but it's all powered. Um but what's interesting is that and and they really marketed this was halfway through the ride there was a uh drop, like a little it wasn't like a huge drop. But it was like a little, you know, um a little bump I would say in the road. Oh. And that was the big thing of their attraction. Um But yeah, it was I thought the upgrade was okay. Um, they tried to add a plot to it, which I always don't think works in these kinds of things. Um, if you know what I mean, Yeah. but, um, I, I, I thought it was okay. I did it about twice. Um, the biggest negative obviously is they no longer give away the free Reese's cups at the end of the ride, <laughs> which is, yeah. um, the problem. The tragic. Yeah. Tragic. Really, really terrible. Um, but otherwise, it's uh, it's a it's a fun little change in addition, and I don't mind it. And yeah, they totally got rid of the drop. I'm watching a POV right now, yeah. And the end segment they just make into a giant ramp down, so they must have
1: modified that, um, which is fine. Like they they added there's a lot more. There are physical things on the ride too. Mm-hmm. There are even physical targets. Uh, um, I, personally, I think it's a much better ride than what they had before. It definitely looks like something of this era. Yes,
0: <laughs> it doesn't again, biggest, it doesn't look like it's 90s. There's the
1: biggest issue with this ride is capacity. 100% I mean, less turtlenecks. Yeah, a lot less turtle. It's just, capacity is really bad on this ride. Yes, it's it been is. bad forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even got like, you get like a boss battle at the end. Like, I like it. I, you know, I'm not saying it's great, but like, would I rather, like, honestly, I'd probably given the choice of being beamed onto either one tomorrow. I'd probably rather, rather ride this than Toy Story Mania. Okay. Um, because it's at least like number one, it's fresher to me, which does matter. But also, I think it it does more stuff and it's longer and it's much more interesting. And um, the,
0: I think the interaction method of having the, I mean, what I I don't like the mounted guns, whether they be in Buzz Lightyear at Disney World or Toy Story Midway Mania. I much mm. ra- I much rather prefer the Men in Black or Buzz Lightyear at Disneyland variant, where you can unholster the guns and point them around. Which this attracts, yeah, wield has. them. Yes, yes. A much, much better, um, uh, a much better thing. So, um, it was, it was cute. I liked it. Um, I, I, my only complaint is that they try to make it into like a plot device thing. So it just kind of, (laughs) it, it likes to trip over itself sometimes instead of just letting itself be fun. Um, and, and maybe there could be more variety with some of the stuff on screen, but you know, whatever you're getting, I'm just getting nitpicky now. Um, some of the other things we noticed a lot of the food stands were closed despite this park being jam packed, busy, like super, super crazy busy. Um, quite a few places empty, even like the stuff like the chicken pizza by the water park had like the compute, the queue line was completely full and going into the midway, like easily a 30 minute wait for crab fries. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it just felt like, come on, guys, you know, you, you, you. We're not operating this at, you know, thirty-five percent capacity, fifty percent capacity. You know, this is a hundred percent capacity. You guys better be on your A game. And they didn't bring it. Um, speaking of A game, not bringing it. Uh, Storm um, Storm Runner was down along with Fahrenheit, and Fahrenheit was down Friday also.
1: Um, when I, Storm Runner didn't even run last year. Storm so Runner that's...
0: didn't run last year, and it hasn't. Uh, and they're promising it to run this year, but have not said anything about that about when in Fahrenheit I believe ran earlier this season but then hasn't run yet um Stormrunner had uh water test dummies in the vehicles while uh Fahrenheit had people staffed there and sw- you you know what I you you know what happens when a ride could open or couldn't open you just got a lot of staff there endlessly sweeping <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like a queue yeah. station like that's yeah. what it was for half the day until they eventually reassigned them other places um but that's kind of what uh all you know what was happening um uh sky rush is sky rush uh great bear was running really well uh comet is always fun always love that ride super duper looper always fun love that ride uh lightning racer is getting a little rough i don't know if i'm getting soft <laughs> or what but i feel like it's bit, it's a little more um it feels a little rougher than it has in in years past which is something I'm really uh, disappointed in because usually that ride is usually a very good mix of of enough shakiness to enough smoothness um, that it, it kind of makes it like a, a fun ride. Um, but it was a little rough, so that was a little disappointing. Um, but otherwise, uh, everything's... It, it was, you know, it was a fun trip. Can't complain too much. We also ended up um, at a new brewery in outside of Hershey about 10, 15 minutes away called Rubber Soul. Um... It was uh very very good, a lot of good food, a lot of good drinks. So if you're ever in the area, I highly recommend it. Um, really cool, and it has a massive outdoor patio too. So all all, all sorts of good stuff. So that's kind of my little my little trip report from uh from Hershey Park, uh, my first park of the season. Um, I'm planning on getting to Kennywood eventually, but I think that may be a uh, first weekend in January when they start their new food festival. So, Excellent. Yeah. So hopefully we'll talk about Kennywood in a little bit. So Alan, what did what have you done?
1: <laughs> uh last weekend did not involve parks. Um however the weekend prior did. Um I, I went and visited my dad in Phoenix, Arizona. Um I worked remotely for the most part. I did I did do one day off on the Monday I was out there, though I didn't do anything. Um so there's nothing I can report about Phoenix. Uh, it's still there. Uh, it's, it's definitely in the desert still. But for this trip, usually when I go out there, I'll take a couple days because uh, my dad doesn't travel particularly well these days and, and go do my own thing. Uh, and then I'll come back. And this year, uh, given everything that's happened and given that was opening weekend for Cliffs Amusement Park, I made the decision to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. For the first time in my life, Oh. which is a a good trip. Uh, it's a nice you, long you drive. You did not make the wrong turn at Albuquerque. I did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I in fact made the best possible turn at Al- Albuquerque. Um, I will say, you know, this is this is just my observations on a very light amount of time that I was in the city. Uh, it's it's very similar to Phoenix. It's not as big or very similar to Tucson and Santa Fe is much the same. It's basically the size and the scope of these places. And in the case of Santa Fe and Albuquerque, especially the altitude uh, is significantly different there, but it's not something you'll necessarily pick up on unless maybe you go running. Um, I, 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 you know, physically they, they all look very much the same and I'm not saying that's a bad thing um albuquerque is is a mile up in the air just as denver is uh it has something probably around a million people at this stage uh uh, half a million people so there you go and then the entire metro area is right around a million so it's a good sized city uh santa fe which is just north of it uh which i also very briefly visited seems cool I, i definitely would like to go back and do other stuff but this was kind of a sprint trip to do things that I had not gotten a chance to do that have been on my to-do list for a while. And, uh, I just, I made, I made my, my move out there. So drove out Friday night, made it about, uh, two thirds of the way and then finished it on Saturday morning. And I arrived about 45 minutes prior to my check-in time to go to the original Meow Wolf permanent installation, the house of eternal return. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been very interested in going there for a while, uh, ever since it, it basically, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but wasn't anything that I think most people in the theme park industry were terribly aware of until it won an IAPA award back, I think, in 2017. Um, it is, it's not as big as Omega Mart. I want to say it's around 30,000 square feet in total. Uh, for those who missed the episode about Omega Mart that we did a couple weeks ago, um, Miel wolf is a artist collective originally based in Santa Fe, where this is. Uh this original installation was financed in no small part due to George R.R. R. Martin, the guy who wrote Game of Thrones and the accompanying sequels to that and uh, a good amount of the television screenplays. Um it is in an old bowling alley just off the main drag. You are welcomed by a gigantic robot and also a metal wolf character. Mm-hmm. Um, the stand outside and you wait. You wait to go in. There's some food trucks in the parking lot. If you want to get food there, uh, there's a bunch of picnic tables and some shaded areas for that, uh, which is good because it's the you know, it's the desert, right? Um, and then there's the actual House of Eternal Return itself uh when you go into the building you are offered the option of taking a sort of a qr code card which you can then scan and that kind of initiates the whole process of doing the interactive stuff in the attraction when it originally opened in 2016 i believe or 2017 there were physical artifacts throughout the house that you could review mm-hmm. um as time has gone on those things would get like busted up and messed up and destroyed. And so they've been replaced with, uh, these sort of evidence stickers with a QR code. And then you can scan that to look at what the materials that used to be in those places were. There's a 14 or 15 QR codes that I found. I'm sure there's probably more than that. Um, the general theme of this is once you enter the space, uh, you're brought to the front of a house that is in California um, all that, you know, before you enter is that there was a family that lived there and they disappeared. Mm-hmm. That is the extent of it. I, I knew from the information that I had before I went in that basically the, the two, the two most significant areas like to go in the dryer was one tunnel, which apparently has actually been closed up now due to COVID. Um, the other was the, was the fridge, but there's, there are a number of other entry portals to what lies beyond. Um, it is here. I'll just read what's on the wiki house of eternal return has a storyline based on the fictional Selig family who disappeared after experimenting with interdimensional travel by tapping into a mysterious force known as the anomaly in an effort to bring back deceased family members.
0: I, this sense caused th- the house? I sense a theme happening between all the uh, Meow Wolf installations.
1: Yeah, thus far, at least the two that have happened, there's there's definitely some something going on there that's very similar, which makes sense. It um, says, the house, this caused the house to fracture open paths to alternate dimensions. A secret government organization called the Charter was able to contain the anomaly's effects and passes off the containment warehouse as an art installation. Um, as with the boop cards, there is the ability through the cell phones and through the QR codes to access a lot of the information afterwards. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to just sit inside the house of eternal return and read all the documents or watch the videos, it, it's not a requirement to do so at that point. Um, which I found very helpful when I got out to try and get a better idea as to everything that was going on. Um, As with Omega Mart, and this is not like a big surprise, like everybody knows that there's weird stuff in there. Uh, If you look at Meow Wolf, like there's pictures of crazy stuff that you encounter. There's amazing, amazing art things that are in there. There's actually a live music venue inside the House of Eternal Return, um, which I imagine must be one of the wildest places you can see a show ever. It's up there, Uh, I can imagine. It's got to be way, way, way up there. Please arrive twenty minutes early, just so you can find the vent, find the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a while to find the stage. It's it's in the far back. Um, but once you're there, it's it's definitely a stage, and it's good size, and can probably hold about three four hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, again, like how, how do you talk about this without spoiling aspects of it? You know, um, how, yeah.
0: How can you do with um you know meow? How can you do with any of the meow wolf installations? You know. Right, yeah. right. Um
1: I would say that as far as this one goes, it's definitely not at the same budget level as what Omega Mart is, which you expect. Um you know, at the same time it's not like it's any worse. Like it's as good. It's every bit as good. It's just different mm-hmm. is the way I would put it. Um because the space they're in is much more, I should say, like natural feeling, much more like at least in the house. The house is pretty orthodox up until certain aspects. Like when you go into the closet, the clothes closet and turn left. And you squeeze through a passageway that's probably like 18 to 20 inches in, in width. And you go places. Um, there's There's just so much, like, the thing is, like, you can touch everything, right? You can open up books, you can look at magazines, there's maps, there's, um, there's all the documents that are the the sort of evidence, there's video cameras, there's, um, all sorts of stuff, and it's, again, you can look at just as a thing of, like, wow, this is really trippy, psychedelic art. You can also, once you get into, like, the whole narrative aspect of it, see, what it's a criticism of and, and unlike Omega Mart, which is obviously very much geared in in terms of criticism to things like sustainability and commercialism and consumer activity. One of the the strongest themes in this is actually kind of a, a criticism of new age and religious cults. Okay. Did not expect Um, that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it is. And it's actually pretty upfront about it. Um, What I will say, because I don't think it's that big of a spoiler, is one of the issues with this interdimensional force is that one of the members of the family, and you encounter this very early on, and when I say early on, I mean in the living room, directly to the right, once you open it. Mm -hmm. um, One of the characters there is an individual who started a cult uh, entirely based on the fact that he was able to open up some of these interdimensional par- portals, mm-hmm. and in doing so, he decided that it would be a good idea. It's Lucig, uh, Lucius uh, Selig is the guy's name. Um, th- that character. There's like a picture of one of his books, like a big, like stand up, like three foot tall book cover, for when he would do public appearances. But basically, he he did a bunch of stuff messing with the fabric of the universe and used his power to just, like, allow anybody that he would charge hundreds of thousands of dollars to access to do it mm-hmm. um, and, you know, see what he did. And, and, you know, he would tell people that he could provide them these sorts of powers and he could not. It was just him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he would... He would punish people who did not do those things that he wanted them to. Um, If you want, if you want spoilers or some degree of spoilers, you can go to thecharter.org, which is one of the related websites to this. Uh, There's also a website which is the Power of Positive. It's archives.positive. It's archives.powerofpositivemechanics.com, which is his book. The power of positive mechanics. Uh huh. And and actually, the 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 archived power positive mechanics. Uh, you can watch those videos where he describes uh, in in great detail a lot of what he was doing uh, and what he was offering to his followers, and then also um, basically his downfall, and then subsequently like striking back at them. And then also what ended up causing what you ended up walking into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much all his fault. Okay. But again, it, it's, it's very, it's very interesting because, you know, you're dealing with an attraction that, uh, there's a lot of meta references. There are a lot of references and discussion uh, on some level. That's kind of criticisms of the Santa Fe art scene, which makes sense. If you know anything about the history of, of Meow Wolf, um, there's references to the Meow Wolf artists themselves. Like it discusses at one point, uh, there's notes about some crazy people building a boat, which was the pre-existing exhibit that they had done. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, um, uh, there are characters in this attraction, which are, um, LGBT. Uh, there's a lot that happens. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of depth beyond, just you know the fact that there's some crazy visuals, and and you'll see as you go through the attraction how those crazy visuals all kind of tie in together with things in the house. Um, probably, probably the greatest example of this is the hamster. Mm-hmm. There was a family pet. Uh, again, this is not this is something you encounter very early on, so I don't feel like it's a big spoiler. Uh, Nimsescu, the hamster. <laughs> you know, as um, one
0: name's a hamster.
1: The the short version is that Nimsescu passed away of old age in 1988. Uh, and then was revived. Okay, that's a problem. Okay. <laughs> and would die constantly and be reborn. Uh-huh. uh so once once you that's that's stuff that you can pick up from from the archive items. But when I was that's something that I picked up on more so after when I was done, I started going through all the archive stuff that I picked up on the phone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? There's a lot of of hamster imagery. is all I'll say throughout the attraction, okay. <laughs> which relates to him. Okay. Uh, but it's 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 again, you know, like we said about. Omega Mart, like if you're looking for lore, if you're looking for backstory, if you're looking to explore, um this is it's not as physically large, but it's much more dense. There's stuff everywhere. And you know, there are smaller things everywhere is the way I would put it. Um so you don't necessarily have a canyon, but that doesn't mean that you're not climbing into a trailer Mm-hmm. That's probably elevated thirty feet on the in the air. Got ya. Um, surrounded by all sorts of other stuff. And to me, I I almost I don't even know if I like this more. Hmm. That's that's the scary thing. Like these two things are so good. They are so good. They are they are unbelievably good. I'm not even, I, I never, I always talk about like how I don't like narrative and rides because I think they're a bad narrative storytelling thing. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different story. This is good. This is really good. Like every aspect of it, just, just what you're seeing is crazy enough. If you just, if you look at it, nothing but art is like outsider art. Some of the installations and some of the exhibits are just out of this world, but then you throw in everything else about it and that just takes it to a different level. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Do, do, any questions that you have about the original Meow Wolf location?
2: The original. Other than the man. fact
1: that I can tell you that as soon as the Denver one opens, I'm flying to it. <laughs> so what?
0: Uh, I, I guess the question is: it, it, What is there anything that fr- that you saw nascent in this installation that you saw really expanded upon and elaborated on in this n- in Omega Mart?
1: You know what's great no no okay it's completely different okay i you know and i obviously there's there's the whole like go into a you basically enter portals and enter a different universe sort of thing going on but aside from that no okay nice yeah you know, i to be like that's i can't say anything more strongly than like it's its own completely unique thing Omega Mart is not just an expansion of this or, or a better version of it. It's, it's just different. Okay. It aims to do different things. It aims to approach different topics. Um, You know, it's not just that it's like I said, it's, it's not just that it deals with new age religion and Scientology and cults and the art scene in Santa Fe, but there's, you know, there's very real themes about family and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, And also like, very like weird metaphysical stuff that goes on with the anomaly and the charter. Um, like some of the stuff that's in, there are, there are these, uh, computer, uh, terminals that are set up throughout the, uh, the extra dimensional port portion, if you want to call it that, or, or multi-dimensional portion of of the attraction, which give much more clarity on what those things are. What the charter is and what the anomaly is, and if I had to compare, it's animated, and if I had to compare it to anything, like I would be comparing it to stuff like Aeon Flux. Oh, jeez. People wow, remember that. that. Yeah. Like it's it's wild. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, I, I, again, like it's just it's very different, very different aims. Um, I mean, there's some aesthetic similarities, but that's the aesthetic similarities are where it ends,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and it goes it goes a different direction. And I, again, just as with Omega Mart, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, I spent two and a half hours in there, and I found out that there was stuff that I missed afterwards. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. just as I did with Omega Mart, and I honestly would be ecstatic and ready and amped up to go back. Um, if I did nothing else when I was in New Mexico, except for that, and I just drove back to Arizona, I would have felt satisfied.
0: That's that's damn help, good praise right there. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Um, uh, what I, I guess another question is like we've seen like so Justin, who works at at, at Meow Wolf, as, uh, yeah, like yeah. yeah, I forget like what he what his title is like he's head of creative or something or what, something like crazy like that like a project manager or something along those lines yeah. yeah he's working on Denver and share a little bit of Denver like can we even like imagine what that Denver location is going to be like is there like anything out there saying like what this could be no no it's just we just we just know about that crystal castle basically lead art director yeah we know
1: we don't even know what the theme is mhm we probably we may not know until days before Um, there's, I mean, there's been a couple things that have been shown. The castle is the most obvious. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the the castle is just, that's, that's pretty obvious. That's, that's a biggie. Um. But aside from that, I mean, and it's, it's not even just that it's a castle. It's what the castle's in. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's all this rock work that they put in. Yeah, what what, but, what what is this? You know, like what there's something going on here. What could it be? I mean, if you look at it, there's there's a ladder. That's that's what gives you the scale. And it's probably a ten or twelve foot ladder. And it looks like the ceiling's about forty feet.
2: hmm
1: Maybe fifty. Like what how do you get there? It looks like there's some sort of door thing. Uh what's inside of it? I don't know but there's definitely some shapes. There's some humanoid weird looking shapes in there and it has a very churchy look to it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I, you know, obviously they know, mm-hmm. but we don't. And yeah, all, all I can say is that when Denver opens, um, I, I don't need any convincing.
0: Mm-hmm. My, I guess another thing I have, you can't necessarily answer it. But something right. like if we ever get, like, Justin on the show or I grab – see him at Horror Nights and we grab a beer or, you know, all the millions of things we could do. Um, My – my I wonder is, like, first of all, like, what's the creative process for, like, doing – like, what's the story? Like, do you guys have, like, writers? Do you kind of work on the story as a group? Like, how does it, you know, unfold? Because it seems like a lot of this stuff can be somewhat personal too. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And then also, like, from a more practical standpoint, um, you know, you know, like, from just like a, a, a pure, you know, super boring angle, like, how do you manage a park, you know, like, a, a basically an indoor amusement park where everything is discovery and unfolds? Like, what's, what's the process for getting that, um, uh, you know, fire permitted? You know what's the process for getting that? You know, you know, you, making sure that you know if something happens, God forbid, you know, you can safely evacuate everyone. Like, what's what are if, the if he, what are the design constraints and concepts behind that
1: for something so unique? If you watch the documentary about uh, Meow Wolf, they detail a lot of this in regards to House of Eternal Return
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they had no idea what they were doing. And, like, the fire marshal was like, your, your entire electrical system is built on extension cords. <laughs> okay, yes. Like, it was stuff like that. And um, I'm trying to think of the way to put this. Um, like, even now when you're there, okay, like, there's, there's one space in the house that has a computer. And it was off when I went up there the first time. And then I, I went back later and they were actually resetting it. Um, like they were, they were really setting the scene. Like they had to put like a piece of paper there and the computer was off and they couldn't figure out like, why is the computer, this isn't working. Like there's supposed to be a QR code on the screen that you scan. And eventually they just realized, oh, somebody flipped the switch on like the power strip that's all plugged into in the back. Cause (laughs) it literally just looks like a house. Like it just plugs into an outlet. Yeah. And like the monitor and the, the tower and there's a safe all go there. Hmm. It's Like it, it literally like, it looks no different than being in a real home, except, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like in some ways it's, you could consider that maybe amateurish to do it that way. But it also is, it it looks fucking real, right? Like you don't get when you're in a kitchen, they're, they're not,
0: you're not building this kitchen out of like giant steel beams that you make to look real. You know, it's, it's a real kitchen.
1: Yeah. Um, a park lore, which is a, a good Twitter account, has some different pictures of uh, some of it. Again, not very spoilery. There's only about not eight pictures in total, but show you the exterior of the house. Um, stuff like the kitchen, uh, the dryer portal, which has now been glassed off to prevent people from using it. The fridge is the primary entry point. It's mm-hmm. what most people use to get further back. But actually, you could step out on the porch and wind up there, too. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, it was, it lived up to my expectations that I've had for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and again, same thing that I said with Omega Mark, like not only did this make me think like, wow, like, like Meow Wolf is incredible, but now in my mind, you know, whereas I used to think like, I want to go hit parks, I need to hit X, Y, and Z roller coasters, I've done most of them in the U S. Um, now that thought process is increasingly being replaced with, I really want to see super blue in Miami Mm -hmm. and I really want to go to, um, the, the one in Houston that just opened up as well. Not, it's not Meow Wolf, but it's a, it's an immersive art thing. What's super blue in Miami? Um, Super Blue is a combination of, uh, like, basically immersive artist groups, like Team Lab from Japan, who I did theirs, um, or one of their installations that's over by Joypolis. Uh, they're they're one of the, the teams that's involved. Uh, James Terrell is one of them.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, Devlin. So, so they are, are doing this. It's opening sometime in the very near future. It's about, I want to say it's like 50,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were listing it for an expected spring opening this year. Um, and it hasn't quite opened yet, but it will be opening pretty much uh, very, very shortly. Size or uh, Seismic is the one in Houston. Uh, which there was recently a review done by uh, the legend on in the loop. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Yes. Very good video.
1: And uh, there's, there's other ones that are smaller that have opened up in places like Oklahoma city, Tulsa, Columbus, uh, Columbus. Columbus is, is actually really good. We should go do that. Um, I want, I want, I really want to do that. Yeah. Otherworld is an excellent introduction to these things. And, you know, again, like, that's that right now is what is appealing to me more strongly than you know doing roller coasters cuz like I said there's there's virtually none there's northern california silverwood and west texas and that's it for me like there's really nothing else in the country aside from those three locations that has anything that i care about i've done everything else in the us and canada all of it mm-hmm. all of it so, like, you know, like there's some stuff in Jersey Shore, I guess, that's newish, but none of it, none of it rings my chimes. Like, this stuff rings my chimes. This stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. This is the best. Like, this is like going and seeing this stuff is like, I know at some point it's going to get old. Mm-hmm. But we're not there yet. And I'm, I'm ready to run it into the ground <laughs> before, <laughs> before I, I give up on it because I, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, so, anyways, I did that. Uh, I I actually had forgotten to book a hotel when I was in uh, Santa or not Santa Fe but when I was going to stay overnight in Albuquerque so I had to book it the same day and I ended up at the Crown Plaza in uh, Albuquerque which is fine <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that night uh, I ended up going to a dirt track race at Sandia Raceway Park which is next door to the landfill in Albuquerque it was okay okay yeah um, the 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 next big thing for the for the trip as far as Albuquerque goes, and the only other thing I have to talk about is uh, visiting Cliffs Amusement Park. Um, I've been wanting to go to Cliffs for a long time. Uh, it's one of those really out of the way places. Like nobody accidentally ends up at Cliffs Amusement Park. Um, it is a small park. It's very much in the city. Uh, if you look at it from space. You can tell it is surrounded by commercial real estate. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you're in line for for the Galaxy Coaster, you're basically staring into the parking lot of a pet Boys. Mm-hmm. Um has a very small water park. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 10 acres at most. 10 or 13 acres. The parking lot is almost as big as the park. I mean, it's just not a big park. Um, it... It was opening up for the weekend that weekend. Uh, tickets were on a reservation basis, according to their website. The Saturday of Mother's Day weekend, which is when I was there, had sold out. I had to book for, for Sunday instead. Um, I arrived there 15 minutes before opening. It was a noon opening. They were running 12 to 6. And they put you all in a pen in the entryway. Mm-hmm. And there are six different lines. And on this particular day, they kept taking people to go use their, to go basically redeem their prepaid entry with the reservation at the ticket booth. And they kept taking them from line one. And I was in line three. And people started to get real mad. Uh, as did I. Like, you know, 15, 20 minutes passes. My line hasn't moved. Most of the lines haven't moved. People are wondering what the hell is going on. The people in people just keep going into one and they keep getting to go redeem their wristband and we kept waiting. Um, so like if you skipped and moved into line one, you would have gone in, you know. Uh, I didn't do that because I thought there's no way they're going to keep doing this forever and they kept doing it and <laughs> forever. Yeah. I, I finally got fed up and I, I went around and I, I had some strong words with somebody because I, I almost demanded to go to guest relations and just get a refund and leave mm-hmm. uh and they they let me go get my wristband because i was a single person i wasn't with a group it was just me trying to get a wristband to go in the park and go on rides so i wound up in the line for the galaxy um i think i waited five or six cars and it took about a half an hour to get on their current procedures are basically that they, for the Galaxy, which has, I think, was running two or three cars, no more than that. It must have been two, actually. Just two cars holding four people each.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, they're not mixing groups. Um, One car has to come back to the station before the other leaves. And when the car comes back to the station, the people disembark, they clean the entire car.
0: Oh, God.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, no. That's bad. So. Yeah, um, I ended up glomming on with uh, uh, a kid, uh, dad and his kid, because I, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to get a position because there was nothing about single riders, but I didn't want to get in a position where I was by myself getting on the galaxy, and they were like, "Nah, you need two people. Mm-hmm. Like you need enough weight to get over, and you can't be grouped with anyone, so you can't ride." Like I didn't want that to happen to me after I waited half an hour, uh, and luckily they were nice enough to, to let me do that. Um, you know again i i was immunized i i doubt they were to be honest with you but uh that's their problem um and i'm fine it was galaxy it's it was okay uh most of the time i was just sitting there like kind of boiling mad about like how bad operations were um i went from there to the new mexico rattler i really wanted to get a couple rides on the rattler uh short version of the background of that ride. It was sold by CCI to the park. CCI went, a, went out of business in the midst of building it.
2: Mm-hmm. And it
1: became the first Gravity Group coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very interesting layout. It wraps around half of the park. Um, much like the preceding ride. The situa- It only has one train, as best I could tell. Uh, the one train uh, comes in. Every other row is empty. They clean every seat after it returns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they operate it like Gwazi. So seatbelt check first, followed by lap bars. Oh, geez. The process takes about, took about nine to 10 minutes per cycle. Uh, I waited for a middle car because the middle cars, obviously, there's, I think it was a six car train. So there's four middle cars. And there are one front car and one rear car. And the same number of people were in line for the middle cars as the front and back. It still took me about a half hour to get on that. Uh, yeah. And so I just decided at that point when I looked back and saw the line was out, out the front gate of the ride and probably approaching an hour and a half that it wasn't going to be worth it for me to try and get a second ride on it. Is mm-hmm. it a good ride? Yeah, it's pretty good. Like if it's not a COVID condition. Track work is a little what I'd call crunchy. It's not it's not super smooth. There's are some areas that have been recently retracked, uh, such as the I guess you would call it the west turnaround of the ride, um, mm-hmm. where it goes around their swing attraction. Um, but otherwise it it's not it's not bad, but it's it, you know, it's a little jarring at times. There's a couple really good spots of airtime. There's a couple areas where it kind of gets the sense that they might have engineered the airtime out. Um, particularly in the ending of the ride. But there's one really strong hill uh after it turns left next to the lift hill. Uh it's it's almost like a, a double up kind of thing, but it's not. That pull is insanely strong. That's a huge piece of airtime. Like I was kinda I had that like angry splash mountain woman face, probably for the first third of the ride. <laughs> yeah. And then I got that and I was like, oh, and then it just kind of like went back to being okay, and then it was over. I, I like it's probably a top 25 ish ride, top 25, 30, maybe, if I wrote it some more. But these are not the conditions to, to ride. It's, you know, early in the season. They don't really know what they're doing yet. They have COVID restrictions put on them by the New Mexico government. And, you know, the way that they're going about stuff is just so sluggish and so bad. Um, so I get off that. It's like 110, and I walked over to the SBF Visa Kitty Coaster, and I looked at it, and there are probably 12 people in line. They're loading half the seats, so four cars, two rows on each car. You know, which is funny because the fate, you know, you you go back to back, not face to face
2: mm-hmm.
1: or side to side. So you're not in facial contact with the other people in the car, but they're still only loading half of it. So 50% capacity and cleaning the car every time. So I knew that I'd be waiting somewhere around a half an hour to ride an SPF Visa Kitty coaster. Or I could just get in the car, go to Taco Cabana, get tacos, and drive home to my dad's. So I did the latter. Probably So I actually, choice. I skipped the credit. It's not often that I sit there and say I skipped the credit, but my attitude is – Meow Wolf is good enough that I'll be back to to New Mexico at some point. Mm -hmm. And when I go there, I'm sure the SBF visa will be there for me if I want it. And if not, I don't really care because it's a freaking kiddie coaster. And there's like four within a five hour radius of my house that I need to go ride. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, um, not a big loss. Probably the most miserable I've been in amusement park. In a long time, hmm. I I felt like I was not having fun, and it has made me not want to do a lot of amusement parks. Um, I I love amusement parks, but I've always said when they're not fun, I don't want to do them, and that was not fun. I'm I'm hopeful that I have fun when I go to Cedar Point in about a month's time, but I'm also of the mind frame that like increasingly, if if we're in a position that park operators are going to cut back on things and operate in a customer unfriendly fashion and basically say, well, because of COVID, even though COVID restrictions are being lifted, I'm, I'm not of the mind that that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably bad because people have spent a year honestly getting used to the fact that they can do things that aren't going to amusement parks. And if you alienate your customers on their first time back, they may never come back again. Oh, yeah. So be I, all I can say is to anybody that's out there in the amusement industry and might actually listen to this, be very careful about what you do. Do not approach these people like they will be there forever. Because I can tell you right now, yeah, I I could fly out to Silverwood this year and and ride – Tremors and Timber Terror, and I could go to Northern California and finally go to Marine World in California's Great America, but I feel like there's a risk involved that I'm going to have a bad time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas I know that if I go to Miami and go to Super Blue, I'm probably going to have a really good time. Or if I just go to the bar, I'll have a better time. So, or I could just go back to Vegas and go to a Mega Mart again and have a great time and not do any rides. So I don't need the rides. You do need me to make money and you do need your guests to make money. So be very careful about how you treat your guests coming back to amusement parks this year and theme parks, because Mm -hmm. if you screw them, especially now, they may never return. Mm -hmm. Just saying, just saying they, they, they know there's other things to do. It's kind of like remote work. Once people got a taste of remote work that could do it, how can you sit there and say, yeah, I, I want to go into the office every day? There's going to be some people that do, but like 75%, 80% of people are going to be like, nah, screw that. Yeah, who's gonna, who wants to go wake up in the morning, commute, go in
0: the office for seven, you know, be in there for eight hours a day plus lunch and then leave? Like,
1: versus... You know how many people? how many people spend like 10 hours or more of their life every week on Metro North?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, taking the train from New Haven or Stanford into New York City and back.
0: And and then compare it to like, OK, well, you know, maybe you get up in the morning and you do all your email that you can do at home at home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then then you commute, you know, like if there's a if there's a
1: meeting in the afternoon or the late morning, you know, then you head in. You know, If there's something that, yeah. that that's vital to have you present, like, you know, it's that kind of thing, like people now know that there's there are other things to do and Mm -hmm. you know, I, this is one of the things I I think about this with Orlando. Um, there are people who think like Disney world can do anything and Disney can do anything like, yeah, of course just charge $39 plus $30 for additional upgrades for this thing to play the bat or the Spider-Man ride. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Last I checked, Disneyland has a lot of availability mm-hmm. to get in the park. The pent-up demand that everybody was anticipating is not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there, well, there's pent-up demand. It's just not the demand. It may not be for Disney. Like people yeah. may go for alternatives. Like they'll go to Pigeon Forge. Is jammed. Yeah. So you know,
0: Hershey's quite jammed. Honestly, D- uh,
1: yeah, Hershey's jammed. Cedar Point's jammed. You you might lose people to other things. Like, keep that in mind. Like, just because you think that you're special and you've been going at it for 20, 30, 50, 100 years, doesn't mean that in a situation like the last year or so, people can't find something as an alternative that's, that pleases them more, especially if you start screwing them. Don't screw your customers. I, like, I think,
0: I, I think the biggest one of that, like that Disney should, that everyone should remember is the entire Star Wars Galaxy's, Ed o- o- Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening Fiasco opening. in Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Like how many times did, did, you know, someone say, you know, cutting out your, you know, this is a park that's mainly driven by locals with annual passes because it's their country club, to use mm-hmm. your metaphor. Yes. You know, cutting them completely out, expecting them to buy day tickets. Is not going to work for you. And then everyone just, you know, ser, you know, Pauly sends you a, video, a photo of all the Star Wars crowds at conventions saying, look at all these people buying all this money. Of course, they'll show up. And guess what happened?
1: They didn't show up. Nope. And yeah. they're still not talking about having a pass holder system. Mm-hmm. Still, they're talking, oh, we're going to have like, what were they talking about? Like, um, uh, uh, a loyalty rewards program. loyalty for, Yeah come on a loyalty rewards program Uh, these people i assume well a lot of these people haven't been involved in operating amusement theme parks right like these are retail people yeah of course they think this way it's it's idiotic to anybody that's worked or knows anything about the industry and it's going to fail but You know, we're going to have to watch them fail before anybody takes that seriously. Well, I
0: mean, because that's, that's the kind of the thing with Disney, though, like they need what Disney does is that they get new management in. They think they know the best of exactly what they want and they think they can reinvent the wheel. And then by the time they're, you know, by the time they fall in their face enough. They have their tail behind their legs and they're greenlighting new rides that they haven't been building for the past few years. I mean, it happened. Exactly- or they get promoted, or
1: they or they get sent somewhere. Like, you know, they get another job yeah. working for somebody else. Yeah.
0: So, like, so exactly. So you get, you know, you get Stags in there and Rizzullo trying to th- like Stags in there being like my Magic Plus, it's the way to go. And then all of a sudden, he's like, okay, I guess we do need rides. And then you know, you get Chatbeck in there and he wants to be like, well, we're gonna put Cabanas in here and we're gonna do upcharge bus systems and all you know all that insane shit and then what do they do they build more rides and now we got you know josh in there now he's now everyone's talking about reward systems and reservations and then guess what's going to happen it's going to go right back to how it was before and they're going to realize they wasted two to three years of not building rides
1: and they're going to build rides
0: that's what's going to happen
1: except in the past they did have a pandemic They did have people who were afraid to leave their homes or got used to not leaving their homes or got used to to only – or to going to different you know destinations that were open when they weren't. And they're going to find themselves in a very different scenario because they are sitting there basically thinking that they can print money whenever they want to. And they can't. They can't. If they could, then why isn't every Disney World hotel open right now? There is nothing stopping them from doing that. Absolutely nothing. The only thing stopping them is the ability to get – staffing and the fact that there isn't demand if they had demand they'd do it but there's none that's the truth mm-hmm. that is the truth i'm not making this up if anybody out there wants to argue this go ahead and tell me where where in ron DeSantis' florida there is that there's any kind of regulation preventing disney from going ahead and opening everything they want to show me that i dare you i dare anybody anyone you know that there isn't and i know that there isn't So the only reason that they're not doing it is because they know they don't have demand. Mm -hmm. And if they know they don't have demand, then why do they continue to operate as though this demand is always just going to show up? It's not. It's not. And 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 you cannot fuck over your customers as your demand is falling. That's the worst thing you can do.
0: And and what's what's crazy is like they think that they've locked enough people in through DVC when, you know, hell. But nobody's locked in DVC in California. Yeah, no one is. Yeah. yeah, no one in California is. And, 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 but like, here's the thing like, di- yes, Disney has a shit ton of hotel capacity. Yes, they have a lot of conventions that just aren't there yet. But, like, guess who also has a lot of conventions that aren't there yet? Universal. And on June 4- yeah. 16th, every single one of their hotel rooms will be
1: open. Every yep. single
0: one come June mm-hmm. 16th. Every one of their hotels will be open.
1: And, and also, I, uh- Regarding convention space, for example, um, you're taking a big gamble. Just say, "Oh, conventions will definitely be back." You think so? I think honestly, I think there's going to be a, I
0: think there's going to be one of those things where it's going to swing back around, where everyone's going to be like, "Yeah, we definitely want to do it," you know, that kind of thing, and then it'll swing back to like maybe a 2018, you know, 2008 level of. Let's save money. Let's not do it. Everyone enjoyed it. You know, like kind of like a. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. A roaring, a roaring 20s of we. Okay, we're doing our, you know, 2020 conventions that we promised. We're doing all this. We're doing We're going to have fun, you know, and then they're going to swing back around because like here's the thing is like looking at video games like E3, E3 is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. They held it forever in Atlanta and Los Angeles and they decided, um, during the recession in 2008 that they were gonna cut back, you know, no more booth babes. We're not gonna, you know, charge m- tens of millions of dollars to build these giant entertainment booths that are there for four days, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're like, we're gonna do a small private gathering of the industry to discuss, you know, blah, 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 you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. It right. went for two years and then they immediately swung back. They're like, Guess what people like? The pageantry. So I think there's going to be a swing back where they're going to be like, we're back, baby. Everything's better than ever. And then immediately the next year or two years later, they're going to go, we're going to be doing this online only or we're going to be doing this a hybrid or we're
1: going to be offering XYZ. It's going to be a hybrid. It's going to be hybrid for a long time because yeah. after after the last year of everything being virtual, the fact is companies – whether they're for profit or nonprofit, are going to sit there and be like, "Wow, we didn't spend how much money on travel last year, mm-hmm. and we still got everything done. Like, what what did we lose competitively? Nothing. Okay. Well, hell, it's not even travel, but like,
0: how many, you know, how much infrastructure is now built up in these companies that they had to build up, mm-hmm. where they have, you know, teleconferencing? Like, how right. would, how much of that has been streamlined and improved over the past 15 months versus the prior 15 months. Like Zoom wasn't, Zoom barely
1: existed before, (laughs) you know, the pandemic. I mean, we we recorded on Zoom a few times in like 2017, 2018, 2016 when I was using it a lot. Yeah. Because I I did a lot of remote work at that time, but it definitely wasn't normative. Now it's like, you know, it might as well be like, you know, Google or Coca-Cola. Like it's that ubiquitous. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's used for every app. It's used for school. It's used for work. It's used for it's every Z- application. It,
0: it's Xerox. It's a brand yeah.
1: name now. It's like you exactly. don't. You don't
0: do a conference call. You're getting on
1: Zoom, even if it's something else. Yeah, even if you're like, well, we, we'll do our Zoom on Teams. You know, like stuff like that. It's so uh, uh, the reason why we're saying this obviously is to, to connect back to the theme park thing and that things change, and sometimes things can change permanently very quickly. And this could be one of those paradigm shifts in terms of the theme park industry where they're presented with a bunch of challenges that have been – they've always existed. Like staffing challenges have been there forever. But now they're exacerbated because of all the things that happened with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Then you have this pent-up demand of people that want to go out. So in not planning properly to do what you need to do to operate a theme park or an amusement park in these conditions – and or doing that, like screwing that up, plus on top of it, further going the next extra step and and basically putting it to your customers and trying to extort them for as much money as you possibly can by basically doing the equivalent of downloadable content for rides. Um or uh what are those what are they called? Like not gift boxes. What are those things where like loot boxes? Yeah, loot boxes, basically doing a loot box for a ride. Um You know, when you start to do that, people are going to feel unhappy about it. Because it's not going to be the experience that they remember. Um, Even with Cedar Point, like, yeah, it's slammed now. But, you know, keep in mind, when they do things like close their lines early, they never did that before. Mm -hmm. That's a noticeable change to the guest as far as the experience. Um, And once once you start compounding those things, like... A lot of the rides are closed, and the rides close early, and a lot of the food's not available. You know, like, once once you start seeing, like, not just one thing, but a multitude of dominoes start to fall, you know, can you really trust that those people are going to come back year after year after year? Because, like, if you and I go to Otherworld, and it ends up being, like, the most incredible experience of your life, are you going to sit there and be like, man, do I want to go to suffer through another day at Kennywood where the rides are all 50% capacity without COVID, mm-hmm. you know, they're running one train and everything because they're cutting back on capacity. And now it's even worse because of everything that's happened with the pandemic. Or do I want to go to Otherworld and have this great experience? Mm-hmm. And don't forget Kennywood removed four rides this year. They, they did. They got rid of like classics, like the kangaroo. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying guys, be very careful about what you're doing. Like, that's actually... There's a lot of... Like, King's Dominion's just like we're not running Avalanche this year. hmm Maybe it'll run again. I don't know. Who knows? Cedar Point's like, well, we're going to do ride rotations. Some rides will close sometimes. Others will open other times. That's great for a carnival. You know, I expect that at Sylvan Beach or, like, Clementon, or some park that's on the verge of bankruptcy. But Cedar Point... So anyways, I, the overarching point I just want to make is operators, people in the theme park industry do not think that this money is guaranteed. Just because it's been great for a few years does not mean that it will be great forever regardless of what you do. You cannot fuck people. Do not fuck people. It will it will come back to haunt you in a big way. Big way. Big way. Um, And I, I think the parks that do the less of that and I, I'm going to tell you right now, like Kings Island will probably be one of those parks that runs pretty flawlessly by the time we get to mid season. Um, the parks that succeed, it'll be noticeable. And the parks that don't, I bet you as the year goes on, you're going to see, you're going to see news stories about people complaining about places. Uh, attendance is going to start to drop. And, you know, again, going back to Disney and going back to what we've been talking about at the beginning. Um, I know everybody's like, ah, eh, it's it's no different than the Wands. There's a big difference between that and the Wands because people go to Universal.
0: <laughs>
1: Who's going to DCA? Mm-hmm. That's all.
0: I mean, that, that's a good point. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, Universal's just being irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they're they're selling out. They have a lot of people there. And, and and you know what they're doing? They're actually opening rides that are ready and done. They could yep. they, they could have held Velocicoaster to till the
1: fall, like Ratatouille. Absolutely, absolutely. They could have, or or Iron guazi mm-hmm. or you know, I don't want to make this just a Disney thing because Lord knows Sea World. Uh, we know Icebreaker is done. We know Iron guazi are done, and we know Pantheon's done. Mm-hmm. And they're just standing there.
0: You know, because they don't. Been...
1: It could have been real easy just to
0: say Velocicoaster. They they didn't even announce Velocicoaster until after the pandemic. They could have easily put that to 2022 and said, guess what? Bourne is opening in 2021. That's going to be our big addition and pushed everything back a year. And they didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, say what you want about, you know, the quality of the parks at Universal or if you like them or if you don't like them or what, you know, any of the million things you can say about them, but you can't say that they have not been hungry as fuck. They have been out yeah. there hustling their asses off
1: and they've been adding shit. They've been adding shit. And like you said, here's here's the real key. Are all of their hotels going to be open by mid-June? Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are all of Disney's? Nope. I know Disney has more hotel rooms, but they also got more parks.
0: hmm and more rides and they have DVC and they like, they, they have a, yeah, pretty much right there.
1: Boom. If, if you want, you know, if you want to play that game, uh, then tell me why Disney's not opening all their stuff. Where's, where's their demand? Cause right now I can tell you, I went looking for hotel rooms in June recently at universal and there's nothing, there's nothing it's sold out. Sold out. Like, if you look in June right now, you're going to find hot nothing. You want something at one of the du- deluxe resorts? There's like one $2,500 a night suite available right now in first two weeks of June at Portofino Bay. That's it. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You show me how that looks at Disney right now because I don't see it. I see a whole lot of availability across the board.
0: And they're dropping and, a lot of their stuff on Hotline and Hotwire. Yep.
1: Yep. So. You tell me where the demand is, because it sure looks pretty obvious to me.
0: Mm-hmm. All righty, Alan. I think we've rented enough. We've rented
1: plenty. Yeah. We, we, should, we should go to bed and stuff.
0: Yeah, we should go to bed and stuff, and I need to restart my computer because it has a software update, and it's been bugging me, and I need to go to bed because I am sleepy boy. So, <laughs> Alan, where can people find you online at?
1: if they want Gods to. on Safari on if, Twitter. If they and, want to direct director rage at you. <laughs> yes, Gods on Safari at Twitter and uh I also I have an announcement. Yes.
2: Um
1: I starting next week uh once once I have my review of the administrative shell, I am the new North American editor for the Dark Ride database. Oh, that's so, wonderful. So, uh get ready for content there and also really especially Lots of entries of indoor attractions here in the United States. So not necessarily walkthroughs, but we're going to be doing dark rides, uh, rides that have dark ride type scenes and like simulator theater attractions. So expecting it all coming soon, dark ride database. There's a bunch of stuff already up there across the world. And I'm going to be involved with the team that's expanding out of Europe uh, to put even more stuff up there. So uh, it's, it's a great website and I'm very excited to, to work with them. And uh, yeah, so that's happening soon, too.
0: That's fantastic news. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. It's completely unpaid, but yeah. <laughs> I do it for you, for yes. you, the theme park fans out there that, that want to know where cool stuff's at. I'm going to make it as easy as possible. Trust me.
0: Fantastic. You can find all of us at parkscope.net. You can find me at Parkscope on Twitter. You can find us at Parkscope on Twitter. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, we got a bunch of like really good old specials up there. You can yeah. just, just Google up Parkscope. Um, we're best known for having that version of Muppet Family Christmas uploaded, which I always <laughs> found quite funny. Um, I'm looking to see how many views we have of that one. Where is it? Yeah, Jeff just uploaded a bunch of his old... He would record, like, just every single theme park special you could imagine mm-hmm. and just upload them and, and, and just record them, to watch, and he just took all his VHSs, Bought a uh, converter and just uploaded a buttload of them. So, yeah, it's been that we could, we just got a million specials. So go check them out. Um, a bunch from the early from the late '90s, early 2000s. So I highly recommend it. Our Muppet Family Christmas uh, special has 900,000 views currently.
1: Ooh, close to the million mark. Fantastic. Yep,
0: compare, compare this to a Day in Epcot Center, which has 505. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there you go. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I, uplo- I actually just uh, po- posted a review of Foxy Hooves. Um, I'm sorry, Fox Nolte's. That's her old username. Fox Nolte's her new one. Uh, book on the Haunted Mansion. It was really good, really well written. It's not your usual Disney. Um, it's not your usual Disney uh, kind of history book. Is the best way to put it. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's really good. I'd highly recommend it to anyone. It kind of dives in the stuff that you don't always expect and kind of goes into more in-depth stuff. Um, like how the original Haunted Mansion at Magic Kingdom was gonna have a elevator for the stretching room, but they got rid of it. Find out the reason why in her book. Um, and yeah. And I, I plan on uh, hopefully finally finishing up my Galaxy's Edge piece eventually, one of these days, and I got a bunch of other stuff I want to finish. But you know, yeah, I happens. got one that I got to finish up too. So
1: everybody has Galaxy's Edge stuff to finish up. It'll yeah, everyone happen. does
0: all the Galaxy's yes. Edge. Yeah, all of it. But on behalf of everyone, uh, we'll see you guys later and have a good night or day or whatever. You know, you know how it goes. That that <laughs> Kungaloosh
1: a, thing that you say, c- Kungaloosh.
0: Yeah. Kungaloosh. let everybody, everybody, thing, everything, Kungaloosh. <laughs>